but for real, shout out to you. You're the best mom ever. Um, she tunes in to just about every week, so shows how great she is, right? Tunes into the best Sunday service on this side of the Mississippi. And I hope you're watching, but um, anyway, yeah. Be loving to your mom today and this week, like Steve said. Show her that you care. You know, give some of them cuddles, those hugs, kisses, all that stuff that they like. All right. We're going to get started here, and let's just uh, pray real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you for this chance to be together. Thank you, Lord, for our mothers. We thank you, Lord, for that you've given them to us and that we um, can learn from them, that we've had them uh, on our side. Lord, I thank you for the godly examples that they have set, and I ask, Lord, that you would bless them. Bless them especially today and this week, Lord. I ask that you would help us to better bless them, and, Lord, that you would just be their source for all things, that you would be their comfort, that you would be their provider, and, Lord, that you would be their peace. We love you, Lord, and we give today to you. Speak to us through your word. Amen. All right. So where were we? We talked last about hum human plans, right? Namely, Haman's plans. Also, it's really hard to read my notes when it says human plans and Haman's plans. But anyway, we talked about human plans, right? And how Haman had set up his, and he had all these ideas, and then he, of course, had the plan to put Mordecai on a pole. And then we talked about God's plans, and how he's always working them out, no matter what the situation is, no matter what the human plans are, and no matter whether the human plans even look successful. I mean, Haman had reached a certain point in his plans. The pole had been erected. He was going to go before the king. He was obviously already at a place, a position before the king where he could make this happen. He had already gotten the king to sign the edict that all the Jews would be killed and all that. All the human plans, and yet God was still working. And I have to be honest with you, um, I, I try to, you know, come up with something new each week, obviously, based on what we're, what the scripture says, what the chapter's about, or the section, and I, I just keep bumping into the fact that this is the theme, that God's always working in spite of what we see, or in spite of what we are trying to do, that God is always at work. It's really, it's the theme of the entire book, and as a result, I would have the tendency, uh, because I'm trying to do something new every week, I would have the tendency to try to step away from that, um, especially since it was such a big focus last week. But you know what? I'm not going to do it because we need to stay true to what Scripture says, what Scripture is talking about. And it's not a bad thing for us to continue to talk week after week about how God is always working. Amen? So I'm going to keep talking about it. And where we left off, was with Haman and the king being invited to a second banquet. The king had already told her, hey, what do you want? Anything in the kingdom, up, up to half the kingdom? And she said, come to a banquet. Boom, they went to the banquet. He said, what do you want? Up to half the kingdom. She said, come to a second banquet tomorrow night, and then I'll tell you. And that's where we left off, and that is where we jump back in. And at that banquet, the king asks yet again, what is your request, even up to half the kingdom? So he's now asked it three times, 
He's waiting for her answer because he knows there's something. And now we get the response. Esther chapter 7, and we're going to be in all, only chapter 7 today, verses 3 through 6. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition. And spare my people. This is my request. For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. If we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. King Xerxes asked Queen Esther, Who is he? Where is he? The man who has dared to do such a thing. Esther said, An adversary and enemy, this vile Haman. And there it is. Boom. The, the, the mic is dropped. And Haman, who is right there sitting with them, has been put uh, right at the forefront. And everything that he has been planning is revealed. And Esther did it. Esther did it. We see Esther's bravery in this moment. We see that she stood up and did exactly what was asked of her. It took her, you know, two days or whatever. And again, we don't know necessarily why. However, it was God's will. And Esther's bravery is on full display, as well as the fulfillment of all of God's plans. They're all coming into full view here. God's plans have jumped onto the scene and totally cut off Haman's plans. All that favor that we talked about that Esther had, that was week one of Esther. We talked about all the favor she had from birth and leading up to this and the supernatural favor that God had given her and the favor she had because she was a good person and the favor she had because she listened to Mordecai. All of that favor, all of the drama of the request that Mordecai made, Esther, I need to go before the king. And her response, I can't go before the king. He'll kill me. And the reason that she has to do it, that maybe she was made for such a time as this. And all the fulfillment of God's plans, while human plans were about theirs, that, that uh, while human plans were going about their way, that God's plans are coming to fulfillment anyway. All of this, everything we talked about, is all brought to a head at this moment. And we're going to continue with verses 7 through 10 and see the king's response. The king got up in rage, left his wine, and went out into the palace garden. But Haman, realizing that the king had already decided his fate, stayed behind to beg Queen Esther for his life. Just as the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall, Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was reclining. The king exclaimed, Will he even molest the queen while she is with me in the house? As soon as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs attending the king, said, a pole reaching to a height of 50 cubits stands by Haman's house. He had it set up for Mordecai, who spoke up to help the king. The king said, impale him on it. So they impaled Haman on the pole 
he had set up for Mordecai. Then the king's fury subsided. Now, real quickly, I want to first say uh, when it says that they covered Haman's face, I was very confused when I read that scripture because uh, I as soon as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Face. I thought the word is what covered his face. So I thought like, oh my goodness, and and he his face changed and uh, it, or whatever. But no, the, somebody, the servants there, the eunuchs, whoever it was, literally covered Haman's face. And what that represented was the fact that he is no longer worthy to look at the king. And like it says, Haman knew that his fate was decided. As soon as this was all brought to the forefront, his plan was destroyed. And Esther had brought this about. And so, of course, the king responds to impale Haman on the pole that he had set up for Mordecai. And what The point I want to bring out today, and this is what we're going to talk about just about the whole time today, is that God has the power to turn any situation around. God has the power to turn any situation around. Think about how desperate the situation was. Think about the situation Esther was in, Mordecai was in. Think about the situation Haman was in, the king was in. God has the power to turn any situation around. And this is where we're going to settle for the rest of our time today. You see that God is always working out his plan. And his plan is what turns situations around. Right? God, God's plan and Haman's plan were, were both being worked out same time along this timeline but right here's where they intersect and Haman's plan cannot continue but instead God's plan is what continues and it totally overtakes Haman's plans and any of the human plans which were happening first thing I want to talk about in God turning our situations around is that he turns them around for are good for, for our good and Romans 8 28 through 30 well Romans 8 28 we all most of us probably know says we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose but we need to continue for those God foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters and those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. All right. So now I need you to think for a second about what this means for us. It all sounds great. Verse 28 is a widely quoted scripture. It's a very encouraging scripture that all things work for the good of those who love God. But think about this. We who were in sin and shame, but who have come to Jesus' feet, have been conformed to the image of his son, the image of Christ. And those who have been predestined have also been called, and those who are called are also justified, so that we can stand in God's presence, and those who are justified and stand in God's presence are glorified and so we what we started in was sin and shame and where we ended up 
was glory. We've gone from shame to glory. We've been lifted up out of the ashes, and we have been brought to a high place, to a heavenly place, and to a glorious place. We have been brought out of the darkness and into the light. We have gone from being an enemy of God to being called children of God and friends of God. Now, the Bible uses all these opposites, light, darkness, enemies, children, um, shame and glory, and all these things, because they're true. The Bible uses them all the time, and it's just true. The Bible takes the most extreme differences in our universe, like light and darkness, and uses them to describe our situations, that we were in darkness, but now we are in light. And light always overcomes the darkness. God works all things for our good. And a big, big part of that is changing us from and taking us from our shameful situation and into glory. But of course... It's not only for our good as the saved one. It's not only for us uh, directly from God. Oh, all the good is for me. But it's for us. It's for those around us as well. Those in close proximity. Those in the church. It's the whole body. It's for those who are not yet even saved. But it is for their good. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And I want to talk about that word, gifts. The word for gifts is charisma, or charismata is the spiritual gifts. And the actual word, if you break it down, means a, a grace gift. It's a gift of grace. It's not earned. It's given freely. It's given without anything expected in return. It is a gift of grace. And grace is exactly what we need to understand. We need to understand that we did not earn that gift, but that we were given it. And we were given it, as this verse says, to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. God has given us grace. And it is our job to be stewards of that grace to those around us. God turns around our situations. God gives us gifts. God take, takes us out of where we were, not just for ourselves, although it is for our good, but also for the good of those around us. And all those gifts that God had given to Esther, her beauty, her, I'm sure she was fairly talented at certain things. Her, uh, her kindness, which is a gift of the spirit, right? All those things that God had given her were not hers alone. The, she was destined and it was, she was a part of God's plan to use those for others, to save others. The gift of her position, her high position, her many blessings that she had throughout her life were for others. Take the story of Joseph in the Old Testament as an example. 
We're going to talk about this one for a little bit. So if you uh, would like to turn there, we're going to first look at Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Genesis 50, verse 20 says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And of course, this is Joseph speaking to his brothers who had sold him into slavery into Egypt and they had intended it to harm Joseph they had intended it for evil they had intended it for human plans but God's plans but God's intentions were for good and to accomplish what was now being done which was the saving of many lives through Joseph through the gifts God had given Joseph the dreams that God had given Joseph all those things God used to turn the situation around and to bless people, bless others, and even those brothers who were enemies of Joseph. Christ commands us to love one another. The second greatest commandment in Scripture, according to Jesus, is to love your neighbor. And that's not random it's not for no reason that is what matters to god that we love our neighbor that we love one another now what i want you to understand is that everything that god has done for us is not for us alone everything so break it down to the the earliest forms and the broadest forms of what God has done for us the hope that we have that we can have eternal life is not for ourselves Peter tells us to always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have it's for others too and we ought to be ready to give an answer for that hope that we have amen the good news or the gospel that we know is not for ourselves but jesus commands the disciples to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to every tribe and every nation we are called to spread the gospel we are called to be salt and light in the world jesus tells his disciples to have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other we're called to stand out and the peace that we can have among ourselves, which we have. I'm very happy to say that, that at glad tidings, we definitely have a peace among us. That peace that we have with each with each other is salt in this world. It stands out. It provides flavor. It's a light. It shines on this world. God has the power to turn around any situation and he turns around those situations for our good and for every person's good. But not only does he turn them around for our good, but he also turns them around for his glory. And I know I talk about both of these things a lot for our good and for his glory. That's just what scripture tells us. Everything was created for his glory. 
And he loves us enough that it's for our good as well. Now, in the story of Esther, going back to that, it's because Mordecai is a Jew that he chose to only worship God. And that's why all this drama even takes place, because that's why Haman hates Mordecai, is because Mordecai refused to kneel and honor and worship Haman. Mordecai was a faithful Jew and was only going to worship the one true God. And God is glorified in this situation in the book of Esther because when God raises up his own people above the evil in this world, when he raises up his people in the face of evil, then God is glorified because his people are lifted up. His people, the people who honor his name, are the ones who make it out of there, are the ones who come out on top, are the ones who stand strong. And God is glorified as a result. Let's go back real quick to the story of Joseph. you got to go back to chapter 41 with me real quickly. Um, 41 seems like a long time, but it's not actually that long before uh, the last verse we read. But Genesis chapter 41, verse 16 says, I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. And this situation, of course, is when Pharaoh has a dream and needs interpretation. And Joseph says, I can't do it because Pharaoh says, I heard you can do this. And he says, no, you're wrong. I can't. But God can. But God will give Pharaoh the answer that he seeks. And Joseph, in his humility, gives glory to God. And God receives glory in turning this situation around, in using Joseph, who was supposed to be in prison uh, for many years, who was maybe even supposed to be killed. But God turned that situation around and instead uses it for his glory. Or in the same passage where Jesus talked about being salt and light, Matthew chapter 5, in the same way, let your light shine before others, is what Jesus says, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. God is also glorified when more people come to know him, when more people come to worship him and glorify him. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds, that they may see what's different about you, that they may see how God has turned your situation around, that they may glorify your Father in heaven. Uh, this is extremely corny and extremely unbiblical, but the more, the merrier. The, the more people, the better. God desires that all people would be saved, and God receives glory from each person who calls him their savior you see it's in our weakness that his power is made perfect and i want to talk about this for a little bit but paul goes on to say in second corinthians chapter 12 uh, verse 10 that is why for christ's sake I delight in weaknesses and in insults 
in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That passage where Paul says that his power is made perfect in my weakness, that's when Paul goes on to say, I take delight in weaknesses and in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The situation of hardship, the situation of difficulties, is when Christ can be shown to be stronger than that. When Christ can be shown to be stronger than us. We are in a time, a situation of hardship and difficulties. But if God wants to turn that around for his glory, then Christ must be shown to be stronger than that situation, to be greater than that situation. Think about it. Peace in the midst of chaos, which we are in. Peace in the midst of chaos stands out. Strength under immense pressure is obvious to other people. Some of you may be feeling weak, maybe feeling like you can't go on. But God can give you strength. And when you have the strength of God on your side, it's obvious to other people. Joy in the middle of pain and suffering is a beacon of light in this dark world. Amen? And this world is going through a dark time. But we are called to be salt and light. Hope in a world where there is only worry and dread. Listen to the media for a little bit. Worry and dread is everywhere. But hope in the midst of that is what our world needs. And they can see it. And God is glorified when they see it. And when we have these things, hope, joy, peace, strength, when we have these things, our only job is to point others to the source of those things, the source of peace. That's the prince, the prince of peace. The source of strength, the strong tower, like I mentioned before, that's God. The source of our joy, that's the Holy Spirit within us. The source of our hope, he's called the God of hope many times over. And in this way, when we point others to God, like Joseph pointed the Pharaoh to God, the, oh, the God of dreams, you need a dream interpreted. It's not me, it's him. When we point others to God, God is glorified. And that situation where we stand out, that situation that God has turned around, is now used for his glory. Now I want to say, if you are out there, you have not experienced this joy, hope, peace, and strength that I'm talking about. If you have not experienced what God can do in the middle of a dark, weak, and sad situation, you need to know that God can do these things for you. And right now, I want to point you to the source, that it is only God, that it is the God whose names are these things, that if you do not feel loved, that the God who is called love, the God of love, 
He will give you peace and strength. He will lift you up. If you feel like you're in the valley and you're stuck, you're stuck in the mud, you're stuck in the sand, you don't know where to go, you can't go anywhere. God can lift you up out of it. You don't know what decisions to make. You need wisdom. Ask the God who gives good gifts to his children. Ask the God of all wisdom and all power to give you some of his wisdom and to use his power in your life. God has the power to turn any situation around. But not only that, but God has the power to turn our lives around. And I know we've already talked about it in a lot of ways, but this is truly the greatest thing that God has done, that God can change us, who we are. God can change our position. He can change how we view ourselves. He can change how he views us. Because if we are covered in the blood of his son, we are now heirs or co-heirs with Christ. We are children of God as Christ is. God can change us. The lost can be found. The orphan can be adopted. The fatherless can have a father. The hopeless can now have hope. The captive can be set free. The weak can be made strong in Jesus. The broken can be made whole again. Those who are sick can be healed. The dead can live. Those with little can now say that they have much. The outcast can find a home. The addict can be liberated. And all of this is done through the power of Jesus Christ, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, because Jesus has conquered every single one of those things. He has been tempted and yet was blameless. By his stripes, we are healed. Jesus is that prince of peace. He has broken the chains of the slave, of the captive. And he has called us home. Because of him, we can be called children of God. Because of him, we who are, are dead in our sins can be raised to a new life as he was. If you need this today, if you need your situation to change, you need you to change, God can do it for you. You have to trust in him. You have to look to him and turn away from sin. That's all he asks of you. God loves us so much, and he desires to call us his children. He desires to draw us under his arms like a mother hen with her chicklings. God desires to bring you in 
to his family. So if you need this today, look to him and pray to him. Let's pray together right now because whether or not we are saved or have known these things, we need him today. We all need him every single day. And so let's all turn to him right now and let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can call you that, that we can call you our Father. Lord, we love you and we admit to you right now, God, that we need you desperately, Lord. We need you to break the chains that are holding us, to set us free. We need you to heal our minds, to heal our land. God, we ask right now that you would give us peace and hope and strength in this situation, that your light would be able to shine through us to those around us. God, we thank you that you love us enough to do these things, to turn our situations around for our good. And Lord, may it all be for your glory, though. May we glorify you in everything that we say, in everything that we do. Lord, for, for anyone out there who has not experienced your strength, your peace, your hope, your love, God, I ask right now that you would touch them powerfully, that you would hold them in your arms, Lord, that you would speak to them, and Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them in a way they have never known you before. Thank you, God, that this is possible because of what you've done through your son, Jesus Christ, that by sending your son, you turned around all human plans. You turn around all the plans of Satan. And Lord, your plans have continued on. They continue on in your church today. Lord, bless your people today. Bless the mothers today. And Lord, may we be kept safe. May we come back together again in the future. We love you, Lord, and we give you all the praise and all the glory. You are worthy of all of it. Amen. Amen. Join us again next week. We're going to keep going with this. Drop a like, drop a comment before you go so that we know you were here, as well as the fact that the more likes, the more comments, the better publicity this thing gets. Why do I care about publicity? Because I believe in what we're doing. I believe in the words that the Bible says, and I believe that people need to hear them in this time. All right? Have a wonderful week. We'll see you again, and I look forward to it.